This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. Are you guys ready to slay some dragons? <laughs> so, so what's up with the Old Testament of the Bible? All these wars... All these fights, all the bloodshed, what relevance is that to you and me today? Well, I would say that if we look at the Old Testament, the fights, the wars, the battles, it gives us an idea of what is happening today in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies. There is a fight that you and I need to engage in. And foundational to the scriptures... Um, are that you have God, and then you have the adversary called the devil, Satan, or he's called a dragon. And then you have demonic powers or demonic entities. On the other hand, you have God's angels and his angel armies. Now, it's important to remember that it, it's never actually been God fighting against Satan because it wouldn't be a fight. If God would himself enter the fray in all his glory he will do like iron man in in game snap his finger and the enemy would just be gone but the fight has been between god's armies and satan's armies and so god himself actually hasn't himself you know he's he's chosen to inhibit himself and he has decided that what happens here in in this world depends upon you and me partnering either with God or the devil. If we partner with evil, the gates of evil will open up over our cities and nations as we see a lot of that. And if we partner with God, then healing and freedom and life will flood in. So it's important to understand that just foundational and and I know we're speaking to diverse audience, so we all come from different places. Now, if, if you would have spoken to me when I was 17 years old, and I wasn't a Christian, I didn't know Jesus, and you would tell me some of the stuff that I'm going to tell you today, I would think you're crazy. Because it's just off my grid. I, I would not have had any frame of reference for the things I'm going to share with you. And it is a little bit like this. If we would go back 150 years if you would travel back in time and you would speak to somebody 150 years ago and tell them of the, the modern technologies, they would say, you're crazy. It's just not possible. I mean, just one area, if you would speak about these invisible waves all around us, satellite dishes, you know, like we would have super sport sending signals into the atmosphere to satellites around the, the globe, moving at 11,000 kilometers per hour, deflecting these same TV signals back to your house and the dish on your house and then into your lounge, into these beautiful, some of you massive TVs that some of you have, 4K, brilliant color, all of that. So you could be like, in the moment, you can watch what's happening in Australia, in the Australian Open right now. You can watch it. Hopefully Nadal is going to win. I don't know. But they would say you're crazy. Invisible waves and these things. Are you, are, oh, you're nuts, man. And then you say, whoa, 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 whoa. come sit in my living room. So you come in, you turn the TV on. It's like, what? This is amazing. And, and we have become so used to these kind of things that we think this is just normal. Invisible waves everywhere around us. But you would not know of this. You would not be able to see it if you didn't have that DSTV decoder. Or a device to be able to transform that signals to be able to make sense of it. And then put it onto your TV so you'd be able to see it. Otherwise, you would have been one of those people that would be sitting in your house. While your neighbor is screaming, yes. And you're like. Nothing happening with you because you don't have the decoder. You don't have the, the ability to see these invisible waves. So in the same way, when it comes to the spiritual world, you need a decoder. 
to be able to see it, to experience it. When I was 17 years old, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a relation with God. I was dead on the inside. My spirit, my spirit, I didn't have the spiritual technology to be able to be aware of what is happening all around me. And so Jesus spoke about this in John chapter 3. He, he, he speaks about this. He speaks to this religious leader and he, he gives him understanding of the kingdom of God. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Come on, say it cannot. Cannot. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, there's a whole lot of people in our country that claim to be Christian, but they're not. They haven't been born again. There's a whole lot of people going to church all across our, 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 our nation, but they don't have the spiritual technology. They don't have the eyes to see nor the ears to hear what is actually happening all around them. And so Jesus said, you must be born again. You need to be renewed on the inside. And then suddenly you see, you know, which ha- what happened to me when at the age of 18, I became a true believer and I received my spiritual technology. And it's just awesome. To be able to see, to be aware of what's happening all around us. Okay, so I know for some of us, we've come from different backgrounds. And some of the things I'm going to share about seems foreign. Just track with me. Let me take us to the scriptures. And in this series, we're going to unpack different aspects of it. And I believe it will really, truly transform your life when you embrace these principles. So I'm going to take us to... Two passages in the scriptures. The one is Judges 6. We're going to talk about Gideon, who fought a warrior man. And then David, who also he slayed giants. And he was a, a warrior for God. And so in Psalm 18, we see that the context is that David was hunted by the king of the land. This man had a demon. He was like... He was a madman. He was like obsessed with David. He was jealous. He wanted to kill David. So he hunted him for like for 10 plus years. Hunted him. He had whole the armies with him pursuing David. And David was fleeing. And in, in all of this, I mean, just imagine the leader of the nation has just one mission. He wants to destroy you. That's quite scary. And yet David discovered the power of God in the natural to give him the victory over his enemies, physical enemies that wanted to kill him and hunt him down. And so in Psalm 18, he is celebrating this huge, huge victory that God gave him. And so in verse 34 of Psalm 18, David speaks about one of the things, one of the ways that God equips him and us. He says, he trains my hands for battle. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. So David is saying, he trains me for battle. And I believe God is wanting to train us for battle, spiritual battle, not against people, but against demonic powers that's binding and blinding people. So over the holidays, I just so strongly felt the Lord say to me, teach my people, equip my people to fight this spirit war. And so David says, he teaches me to do battle for battle and he strengthens my arm to do what he can't, to to bend a bronze bow. In other words, we find strength in God to do what we otherwise can't do in life. Even in Psalm 18, verse 1, go read the whole of Psalm 18. It's such a powerful um, chapter. But David says, I love you, O God. My strength. David, this warrior man, this giant slayer, he found strength in God. And he was enabled to overcome his enemy. So God trains us for battle. And so in this series, we're going to train you guys how to do battle. And, uh, and every, every message, we're going to tackle a specific dragon and this message today, I want to tackle, we want to slay the dragon of intimidation. We're going to chop off his head in Jesus' name. We're going to trust that God's going to set us free. But just know that God has planned for you and me to win. 
He's not called us to lose. He's not called us to fail. He's called us to win. And as I said last week, in every message, there is one thing at least that God is speaking to you. So what is that one thing that God's going to speak to you in this message, in this service? What is the one thing that the Holy Spirit is going to highlight to you? Because he's going to highlight different things to each one of us. Okay, so keep on taking the one thing so it can move from your head to your heart and Revelation brings transformation. When it's in your heart, then real change comes. Right, so we're going to go to Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to unpack it. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful. Your word will not return void. And we pray, Lord, that every one of us would hear the voice of God speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the scene opens with the Midianites, the enemy oppressing the Israelites. So verse 1, it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Now this is really important to understand. The reason they were losing is because of their sin. Because of the way the people were living in disobedience to God, there was always opened the floodgates of hell over that nation. And right now, all across our nation, across our cities, there's a lot of people doing a lot of bad stuff. And the result is the enemies being strengthened to bring more and more darkness into our land. Okay, so that's important to understand. Sin is stupid, and sin gives the enemy legal access to our lives. Verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So what happened was the, the Midianites were prevailing and everybody was they were fleeing to the mountains. They were like ah, running to the mountains, hide away. You know, hide away, each one, each one, hiding away, doing their own little thing, trying to save their little family. And I believe that's a picture of the church right now and over this last two years. Everybody is running to their own little house. I'm not looking for a fight. I just want to be okay. I just wanted to, to make it. I just want to cope. I just want to survive. I just, me, myself, my little family, we just want to be okay. And the result is no one wins. You don't win a war like that. You, you don't win the fight when everybody's scattering and hiding away. Afraid of a fight, everybody loses. And so the people hid away. Verse 5, it says, For they would come up with their livestock, this is the Midianites, and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their cam- camels were without number. So this was intimidating. There was like innumerable, innumerable enemy soldiers and that's it and they would enter the land to destroy it verse 6 so israel was greatly impoverished because of the midianites and the children of israel cried out to the lord they were greatly impoverished and again i believe this is a picture of what's happening in the church world right now the enemy is coming in and he is stealing us blind intimidating us so that we would hide in our little corners. And then he takes from us. He takes from us our peace, our joy, our purity, our confidence, our faith, our freedom. The enemy comes and he takes from us because we've all been intimidated into our little corners. And then we hide away. We run away. And then the enemy takes all that he has stolen and he takes it into what's called the enemy's camp. The enemy's camp. Okay, so now, how, how are we going to take back what the enemy has stolen? Many of us, our strategy is as follows. We're like hiding away in a corner. I don't want to fight, but I want back what the enemy has stolen. Is that going to work? No, because it's in the enemy's camp. You have to go to the enemy's camp, and you have to take back what he has stolen from you. This is a classic song, old school song. We sang it in the 90s. It probably comes from around the 70s. But it's something along the lines of, I went to the enemy's camp. 
take back what he stole from me. To take back what he stole from me. To take, anyway, it goes on and on. Anyway, but it's a nice marching song there. Like, I went to the, I need the whole band. I went to the enemy's camp. <laughs> anyway, classic song, brings up memories. But we sang it like, we're going to the enemy's camp and we're going to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. I mean, I'm, I'm just shocked. The amount of people that I have been speaking to over this last season who were molested as children. The enemy came and stole your innocence. How about taking it back? You're not a victim. You can take it back. You can take back your innocence. You can take back your freedom. But we have to go to the enemy's camp to take it back. Many of us have lost our joy, lost our faith. We've become disillusioned or depressed or, or, or confused. Giving up, hiding away. How about going to the enemy's camp and you take back what he has stolen from you? And that is what we want to help you with, equip you in to take back. You see, the enemy doesn't beat us through power or strength because he doesn't have it. How does he do it? Lies and deception. He schemes. He whispers. The dragon's voice. He whispers in your ear, you're rubbish, you're trash. Your life's amazing. Oh, then God's not interested in you. The, 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 The dragon's voice is whispering. And we're taking it, we, we're eating up all those lies, the shame, the guilt, all of that. But he's not strong himself. You see, at the cross, Jesus reduced the dragon to a little mouse. He's a mouse with a microphone. And he sounds intimidating and he sounds powerful. Like, do you, you don't you dare fight. Stay in your corner. Little mouse with a microphone. Intimidating us through lies and deception. But I say it's time for us to get up and expose the liar for who and what he is. Little mouse. Amen. Hallelujah. So one of the key concepts we all need to understand is this. I want to put a picture on of the three heavens. Three heavens. So you see at the top you have the third heaven. That is God's dwelling place. That is where God reigns. Now, in heaven, the third heaven, God reigns and rules. There's no evil there. God's will is fully done there. There's no sickness there. There's no demonic torment there. God reigns in heaven. Then you have the second heavens, which is the spirit realm. This is where the fight happens. Angelic armies, demonic armies, they're clashing in the second heaven. And then at the bottom, you have the first heaven. This is where we are, the, 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 the physical world. The physical world is the bottom of the ladder. So what happens in the second realm or the second heaven ultimately determines what happens in the, in the, in the first. Just go back to the picture. The, what happens in the second heaven Determines what happens in the first heaven. And what happens in the third heaven ultimately influences what happens in the second heaven. And then what happens in the first. There is a connection between this natural realm and the spirit realm. If you want change in this realm, the bottom of the ladder, you need to influence the other realms. This is critical to understand. And if you have an open heavens... That means that in the second heaven, the block between the third and the first, you have an open heavens, meaning there's no block for the third heaven, for the kingdom of God to flood into this realm. And that is what we are trusting God for. That's why we're calling an open heavens conference, because we are trusting over the next five, six weeks to bring an open heavens over the city so that God in all his glory can come down. His kingdom reign in our midst and in our lives. Okay, so track with me. This is what we are aiming at. What takes place in the second heavens ultimately determines what happens on the earth. And so you and I need to fight in the spirit realm to change the natural realm. Let me give you a few examples. I know it's been a big issue, the whole question of gender-based violence. And people have been marching and talking about it, and it's, which is great. But you're not going to solve it that way. You need to fight it in the spirit. Because there are spirits of violence. There are spirits of rape. 
They are dragons influencing people over areas, and those things are causing the destruction. So you can talk about it, you can march about it until Jesus comes back. It's not going to solve it. So yes, you need natural solutions, but you first need to fight it in the spirit. I know many of us are, 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 are worried and concerned about all the corruption in our nation, in our governments, in our local governments, it's, and, and I understand. But moaning about it on Facebook is not going to solve it. There are spirits of corruption. There's the love of money. There's people that lie and steal and cheat because they're being used by the enemy to impoverish the whole nation. Because that's ultimately the poor losers. Everybody loses because of these things. You need to fight it in the spirit. You need to address those dragons so that the freedom can come to the rest of the land. And, and we see this in history. We see this issue. I mean, we're so used to all the stuff in our nation. Do you know that's not normal, all the negatives? It's not normal, this level of corruption. It's not normal, the amount of theft and, and, and everything else and rape and whatever else. This is not normal. And we see in history the times when God showed up, where there was revival, like in Wales and other cities around, around the world. They, the, the result of God showing up when there was an open heavens and the kingdom of God came to reign on the earth. Do you know what happened? Crime was like eradicated in that season. There's like the jails went empty. The bars closed. No one wanted to get drunk anymore. They wanted to go to church and wanted to follow Jesus. That's the shift that comes when you win it in the spirit and God shows up and the gospel of Jesus Christ impacts the hearts of people and suddenly you don't want to do wrong anymore. I mean, that's what happened to me at the age of 18. I was like suddenly like, I don't want to do wrong anymore. It was a struggle to change my behavior and my habits, but it started with a heart change. Like, I don't want to do wrong anymore. I don't want to lust anymore. I don't want to hate anymore. I don't want to fight my mom anymore. I want to love people. I was changed because my heart was changed. And so this, this, this change in my life, and, and God wants to do it over a whole region. Now imagine God showing up in our city here in East London. Imagine that. Imagine the kingdom. Why can't God do it again? So that's what I'm contending for. And that's what I believe God is saying. If we are going to win, if we're going to see this that we all would like to see, eradicating crime, that we can leave our doors open at night, that would be just incredible. Do you know that's not normal to not be able to leave your door open at night? That's not normal. Go to Zambia. The people leave their doors open. I spoke to some people from South Africa. They live in Zambia. They live on a farm on the outside of Lusaka. The guy travels to South Africa for two weeks. He says his wife doesn't even lock the door for two weeks. Hallelujah. Jesus, South Africa would like that. God is able, but we need to win the fight in the spirit if we're going to see the change in the natural. Amen. And so... There's this classic book, it's a novel by Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. So our whole family, we were reading this over the holidays. It's such a powerful visual picture of biblical principles. So it reveals how in this town called Ashton, how the enemy is trying to infiltrate the city and take it over. So it gives you the behind the scenes. It shows how demonic spirits are, are, are named. They're named according to their function. So you have destroyer that destroys lives. You have lust and hopelessness and despair. And when despair comes upon somebody, it just brings unbelievable despair to that person. So people are experiencing things in the natural, but there are demonic spirits behind it. And then it shows how these spirits are, are scheming to use people. To, to come against the church and to come against the city. And I love how they, 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 they show how over every school and every institution and every community, there's a, a little prince, like a, a demonic leader, a, a strong man a, a ruling over those places. There's different hierarchies, which we see in the scriptures, different principalities and powers, levels of, so they rule over a city or a region or they rule over a school or they rule over a specific area. And then how the angels are like having to fight. And these angels are so powerful, but they can't fight effectively because they continue saying, the people aren't praying. 
So the angels had to move out and give people dreams to be, make them aware of this, the spirit war that's raging. Say, pray. And then how the enemy, there was this, this small church and there's this young pastor and the enemy sends people into that church to attack the pastor and to bring the vision into the church and to intimidate the pastor. Man, my heart just broke for that pastor. I was like, yo, poor man, it's tough. How the enemy was scheming. And so I'm going to spoil it for you, so don't worry, I'm going to give you the detail, but get the book. It's really, it just opens your eyes to the realities of this fight. But I loved how they revealed the enemy was terrified of this young pastor because he was a man of prayer. He was a man who knew God. And so the, even the highest ranking of devils where they were terrified, it's the praying man. I love that. Love that. So get the book. It's really going to bless you. Um, so this, this enemy's camp. So the enemy has a camp and he's taken things there. Joy or peace or a children's hearts or your loved one's hearts or whatever it is. But he's, there's, there's the enemy's camp. And the question is, how do you know, how do you take back what the enemy has stolen? You just walk into the camp and say, thank you. I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you. Now. The scripture speaks about this, Mark 3, verse 27. It says there's strong men. So some of these demonic powers are called strong men. They reign over that camp, over that area. And if you want to take what they have stolen, you first need to bind the strong man. So verse 27 says, but no one can enter a strong man's house. This is Jesus speaking. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. First bind. So you and I have authority in Christ, not our own name, in the name of Jesus. We have authority to bind, to like put spiritual ropes around the enemy that he can do nothing. The little mouse is now bound. And now you come and you take back what he has stolen. Okay, so the, the scripture speaks about this. So there's a strong man over probably sp- ruling spiritual power over a house, a community, an institution, a city, a region. And what's happening in your house? Who's ruling in your house? How are you living? What are you building? You know, are you building an altar unto God or an altar unto the enemy? We all need to ask those questions. And then you can walk in your authority and you can say, stop it. I bind you in Jesus' name. We're coming to take back what belongs to God. Okay, so you and I need to step up and take back. So I experienced something that just shook my boat. At the end of November, I was in Cape Town. I was preaching at a, at a conference there. And there's a church mostly of people from the Congo. So they were like, oh, passionate about God. It was awesome. So I preached on the Sunday, two services, and I preached my heart out. And, and, and last year, September, October, November, God moved in this church here. I mean, when we pray for people, people will get healed. The kingdom of God would come. We had incredible testimonies, even of cancers disappearing and, 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 and God really touching people. So I'm like going to like, this is going to rock. Okay, so city center, Cape Town. And for those who don't know, Cape Town has some really interesting stuff happening all over. There's a lot of evil altars being built up in the city. And so I, I'm coming in. I'm just like, man, I just want a little bit of a hedge of protection around where I'm, I'm not going to fight now unnecessarily with powers and principalities. I just want to come and let the kingdom come and lives be transformed. Anyway, so the Sunday I'm preaching. I'm preaching my heart up just like I did here. And then we pray for people and then nothing. Like squat, nothing, like nothing tangible, nothing, no one's getting healed. No one, I can't physically tangibly see the kingdom of God flooding in from the third heavens into this realm. I'm not seeing anything. Monday night again, I'm praying and things, but I, I'm like just trusting God. Monday night, same thing, nothing. Preaching my heart out is like, but no tangible manifestation of the kingdom. So Tuesday night, I'm like, I told one of the pastors that were with me, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. This is just weird. So Tuesday night, driving down the street in front of this, the, where the church is, and then I look to the side, and I see like 100 meters above this church is the place called Mavericks. Now, if you've ever lived in Cape Town, you will know you open the newspapers, and there's Mavericks. It's a strip club. It's a big strip club. There's a lot of stuff happening in that place. So there's all these 
pictures, huge pictures on this walls of half-naked women. So in that place, there's a whole lot of stuff happening. A lot of men are doing stupid. A lot of women are being abused. A lot of marriages are being destroyed through what's happening in that place. And it's like 100 meters above this church. As we're driving down, I was provoked. So I was like, enough is enough. So like, I'm entering the fight. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind every devil of lust and wickedness and adultery and fornication. All the stuff that's happening, here, I bind it in Jesus' name. And for the next hour, we were like really praying and just assaulting, just taking authority over whatever is trying to rule and reign in that area. Do you know what happened that night? It rocked. The kingdom of heaven showed up. People were physically healed. Lives were transformed. People were just encountering Jesus in a way that I haven't seen the previous two days. Why? Because I, I won the fight in the spirit, in the second heavens. I took authority over the little mouse that's been trying to intimidate and say, stop it in Jesus' name. The kingdom of God is coming now. But I know how many of us think, and, and myself included, I'm like something's like, I don't want to fight now. You know, I just want a peace over my little house, a weekend rest, a weekend sleep. And I just realized you don't win like that. You need to enter. You need to step in. You need to go pick a fight with the enemy. Now, who's scared of a little mouse? We're not scared of a little mouse. So stop falling for the lies of the enemy. He's so powerful and scary. He's not. He's been defeated at the cross. The scary dragon has been reduced to a little mouse with a microphone through Jesus Christ. Amen. So go pick a fight. Get up. You know, I believe every one of us have experienced the enemy stealing from us on one level or another. And over the last while, I've just been provoked. I'm like, stuff this. I'm not just me and my little house. I'm praying for the whole city. I'm praying for the whole church of Jesus Christ in this city. I'm contending for all that God wants to do in this city. It's not just about me and my house and my, our church. This is about the wider context. And I believe that is what God is calling us to right now. For the church to arise. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to arise. Come on, you can. And so intimidation keeps us from stepping up. So I felt the Holy Spirit speak this to me this week. But when my people are intimidated, they become bound themselves instead of binding the strong man. We're intimidated. We're hiding away in our caves. I don't want to fight. We want peace. You lose and everybody loses if you don't enter the fray, if you don't enter the fight. We are to bind the enemy, but intimidation causes us to be bound by fear, inaction, and unbelief. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, when my people are intimidated, the enemy comes to plunder them and steal from them all that I've made available to them. Intimidation is a tool of darkness to plunder God's people. You see, God has given you and me so much. This massive inheritance, weapons of warfare, peace and joy and faith and the victory, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. All these things, it's ours. But through intimidation, the enemy comes and he takes it from us and he uses it against us. We give away our authority and the enemy uses it against us. It's time to take it back. Intimidation causes God's people to pull back from battle. I say, come on, let's arise. Let's step up. You're going to see how small the enemy is when you actually step in and say, hey, shut up, be quiet, get out. This is my environment. This is my business. This is my home. This is our community in Jesus' name. Enemy, you have nothing here. So God has given us keys to open and close, to lock. And, 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 and he's given us keys in terms of how to slay these dragons or the dragon that's been reduced to the little mouse. So Psalm 18, verse 6. It speaks about this as like David crying out to God and reveals the power of prayer. It says, a hostile world. I called to God. I cried to God to help me. From his palace, he hears my call. My cry brings me right into his presence, a private audience. That's the power of prayer. But it says, he cried to the Lord. Eh, some of us, how do we pray? Dear little Jesus, 
you know, hi, it's me again. <laughs> no, there's a place. Yes, there's a place just for intimacy with God. And then there's a place to go into a warfare more. God, we need you. God, our city needs you. Lord, our young people need you. Lord, we call upon your name. Would you come and set us free? There's a place of faith-filled, fervent prayer where you realize what God has made available to you. That is the dragon slayer mentality brought into his presence. And then the key verse that you know, I want to highlight for this whole series is this Psalm 110 verse 1. And two, it says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool by your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Now, this passage was originally speaks of the Messiah, of Jesus ascending into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the father. And now he's way, he's overcome all. Now he's waiting for God, the father to bring his enemies to become his footstool. But in the same way, it speaks about you and me. Because you and I, we are in Christ. Come on, say it, in Christ. In Christ. And you and I are called to rise up into heavenly places, into that third heavens. If you put that picture on again of the three heavens. You and I are called to rise up from the natural realm into the third heavens and to sit at the right hand of the Father. And now, now reigning and ruling from that third heavens. So we're going to win in the second heavens. And then we're going to see the natural realm change. So you need to take up your place. How do you do it? Changing your way of thinking. Stop listening to the dragon. Listening to what God says about you. And then to pray and to take up your weapons to fight. Slay dragons in the spirit and physical realities shift as well. So I have good news. You are at the top of the spiritual food chain. Like a lion. You have the lion of Judah reigning on the inside of you as a believer in Christ. And so you are at the top of the food chain. You know, if you, if you, if you know there's, there's this massive lion within you and with you, are you going to be afraid? Are you going to hide away? No. You're going to rise up. Take up your place. Okay, so quickly, a few marks of a dragon slayer. So Gideon was hiding away, Judges 6. He was hiding away. And then God appears to him. And says to him, the angel of God, verse 12, the angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, almighty warrior. Now, this is Gideon hiding away, intimidated, afraid. And then God comes and God comes to assault all the whisperings of the dragon that he has been listening to. Lies that he's been receiving about himself. God is with you, almighty warrior. This is massive. God is with you. So three things that you and I can get from this one verse and the next one is verse as well. Number one, you need to discover, you need to know who is with you. Who is with you? The scriptures are clear. God brings terror to our enemies. Evil is terrified of God when he shows up, okay? The lion of Judah. So know who is with you. Number two, know who you are. Instead of listening to the, the, the voice of the, the dragon telling you, ah, oh, you're rubbish. You'll always be rubbish. What's the point? Look at your life as a disaster. Look at all this mess in your life. Look at all the stuff you've done in your life. Who do you think you are? To come before God. He will not receive you. That's the voice of the dragon. The truth is. You are a mighty warrior. You are a son or a daughter of the most high God. If you've committed your life to Jesus. You are a son or a daughter of the most high God. Do you know that? What that means? That means you have access to God. You have access like any son. In the house. You walk into your house, dad's house, you go to the fridge, you open it, you take what you want. You freak your mother out, but it's okay. It's dad's house. 
I have access. I know who I am. So you need to know who you are. Because the enemy assaults who you are. He just tells you you're rubbish. No, you're not rubbish. You're a child of God. You're loved more than you can imagine. So you need to discover who you are. And then you are royalty, a royal son or daughter. And so you can come boldly before the throne room of God. Come and sit at his right hand and say, Dad, let's slay some dragons today. Let's do it. In partnership with the living God, let's take out the enemy. Let's bring the rule and reign of God to the earth. Instead of listening to the lies. And so Gideon was listening to all these lies. And so he responds to the angel, to God that appears to him. And he brings all these lies, all these questions. You can just pick up all the doubts. It's like, no, God isn't with us. And if he was with us, why are we suffering like this? Why are we struggling? He's been disillusioned. He's been disappointed. He's been looking at all the, and listening to the voice of the enemy. And he's like, no. And God knew if he can just shift his thinking, then the kingdom of God is going to come. So Judges 6.13, he said, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? It's like God is not good. And, 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 and then last bit there of the verse, it says, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over. I want to say to you, God has not abandoned you. I know some of us, our lives might, might feel like a mess. Like, where was God? Tell most of us the negatives we've experienced because of our own disobedience, moving out of the will of God, listening to the voice of the dragon instead of listening to God. Verse 14, God speaks again. He says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. God sends him. So the third thing is you need to know who sends you. It's not like we're just trying to do our own thing. God sends us to take down these enemy places and establish God's kingdom, reign, and rule. And one of the principles of scriptures, you and I must realize that every promise in the scriptures is yours as a child of God. It's yours. Every promise is yes and amen in Jesus. So you can say, God is with me and I am a mighty warrior. Come on, say that with me. God is with me. And I am a mighty warrior. Amen. You need to put that in your mouth. You need to start confessing the truth of who you are in Jesus. You are an ambassador for Christ. He sends you out to take land. Don't hide away in caves. And like, I just don't want to fight. Fight. Go pick a fight. Go watch the Braveheart movie. It was just Mel Gibson like, I'm going to go pick a fight. Other guy says, well, we didn't get dressed up for nothing. Amen. You didn't get your whole armor of God for nothing. You got it to fight. You got it to take land. So move out and go to the enemy's camp and take back what he has stolen from you. And then, by the way, just take back everybody else's stuff as well and bring it back to the, to the, to the house. Amen. The fight is never just about you and me. It's always about us. You know, so over the years when I was a young believer and I was struggling with a lot of stuff in my life, you know, coming from a messed up background and trying to break free from ungodly habits and sinful tendencies and, and addictions and whatever else. And, and I remember one time I was struggling again and I just felt like such a worm. I just didn't feel good enough. And I call yourself a Christian as the voices I heard. And I remember walking up into the hills and going to pray. And, and at some point I would just make a vow to the devil. I said, devil, you've stolen from me, but I'm going to take this back and I'm going to do great damage for everybody else. I'm going to do great damage. You've stuffed up my life, but I'm going to, I'm coming for you in Jesus' name. And I'm going to bring freedom to a whole lot of others as well. The fight is never just about you. It's always about us, a wider group, a wider community, the people in this city or in our, na- in, in, in our regions. So remember this. So verse 15, but Gideon again goes, but how can I? I'm the smallest, I'm the weakest, etc. And then verse 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. They were like a few hundred thousand strong. God says it's like one man. That, that army you terrified of, I've reduced them to nothing when I show up. That's what Jesus did. He reduced this scary dragon to a mouse with a microphone. You need to get this or you will always be intimidated by the enemy. 
And then another dragon slayer mentality is this. I'm coming for you and I'm going to keep on coming for you until I take you to pieces. Verse, Psalm 18 verse 37. This is David. His, his uh, giant slayer mentality says, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. And I did not turn back till they were destroyed. We're not going to make any peace treaties with the devil. We're going to come and we're going to keep on coming until we're going to take everything down. We're taking back the enemy's camp. Amen. Come on. That's the giant say. That's the dragon slayer mentality. No compromise. No peace treaties. Because the enemy doesn't play fair in any case. So embrace that mentality. So just ending off with this last bit. So then God gives Gideon his first assignment. Judges 6 verse 25. He's called by God to go tear down the altar of Baal. Now the Baal was the deity that was worshipped. The false god that was worshipped all over Israel. The Canaanite deity. It says that same night the Lord said to him. Take the second bull from your father's herd. The one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar. To Baal, tear it down and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now, Asherah pole, the Asherah God was a female deity and it's a lot to do with fertility and a lot of sexual sins and prostitution and whatever else. Verse 26, then build a proper kind of altar. I like that. Build a proper kind of altar. One that is worthy of God. To the Lord your God on the top of this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole. Yeah, take that Asherah, take that, that false God and burn it. Cut it down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon is terrified because they might kill him if he does this. So he goes by night. He tears down the altar of Baal and then he builds an altar unto the living God. And that is exactly what you and I need to do. Wherever we go, we need to move out and say, all these altars of wickedness all across our city, community, region, God, we take, we break that down in the mighty name of Jesus. We come and we bring an offering. What's the offering? The blood of Jesus. We will have communion. We will pray over places and say, God, we enforce your victory. We declare this little mouse. We bind him in the name of Jesus and we release the life of Christ in this area. We break down that altar and then we build our altar unto the Lord. How, how do we do that? We worship Jesus. We proclaim the praises of God. We proclaim the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. And then in the spirit, we loose these angel armies to move in and to change the spiritual environment. And then the natural will change as well. Amen. Come on, you need to see it. We are called all over scripture. We see how God calls us to break down these ungodly altars. So what are you building in your home? And your community. Are you tearing down the altars of wickedness? Or have you been intimidated into a corner doing squat? Come on. Slaying dragons. Let's get up and do it. And then we see the result of Gideon's breaking down of these altars. Judges 6 verse 33 verse 34. So what happens is it's not only the Midianites that come. They all gang up. Don't you just love that? It says, now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 34, then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew the shofar, summoning the Abysrites to follow him, blowing the ram's horn, calling the people together. So guys, it is time to do battle. Prophetically, that's what our church's name is called. It's bringing the armies together to fight in the name of Jesus. I don't believe the, the spirit of God would have come upon Gideon if it wasn't that he tore down that false altar and built an altar unto God. So if we want a move of the Holy Spirit that will change our city and region, we need to break down the altars of wickedness and build an altar unto God and Open heavens so that the Holy Spirit can come down and transform us and move us out to do battle in his name. Amen. That is what God calls us to. 
Psalm 18, verse 13. When he, David called upon the name of the Lord. Do you know what happened? God came down. Gideon and his armies, 300 of them destroyed a 200,000 army in the name of God. So it says in verse 13, the Lord thundered from heaven and the most high uttered his voice. And he scattered the enemies. The Lord came down. When we call upon the name of Jesus, he's going to come down and move on our behalf. So I want to encourage you to pray passionately. I want to encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord in this season. So here's four things, practical things, dragon slayer actions. Number one, join the Ignite Prayer Army. So tomorrow evening at 6.30, we're going to be here. You'll receive your mission briefing. And over the next month, we're going to be praying and worshiping all around the city. Five different groups, five different divisions. If you can put on the divisions, the picture of the five divisions, infantry, archers, cavalry, knights, watchmen, spicing it up, focusing on different things. And we're going to pray around the city. And we're going to trust Jesus to tear down these false altars and build holy altars unto God. It is time for us to slay some dragons. So number two on those four practical things, I want to encourage you to pray for the city. This month, when you drive in your car, don't just pray, Lord, may I survive today? No. Say, Lord Jesus, I enthrone you over the city. You reign. You are Lord. You are powerful. This is your city. This is your community. Lord, this is your business. This is your school. These are your institutions. These are your government. This is, they, they are yours. Jesus, come and reign. So you pray as you're in your car, worship him, exalt him, take authority. And then how about doing prayer walks in your streets? I know some of our guys, they've started to do this. Like Sean and Leanne said with me, to me, they, in, their, in, their, in their street, there were multiple break-ins. Even while they were sleeping, people would break into their homes and they were like, we're over it. So they informed the rest of the street and they went marching down that street in the name of Jesus, taking some oil and proclaiming Jesus is Lord over the street. And how about you starting to do the same? Instead of being a victim and hiding away behind your bars, how about moving on to the offense and say, Jesus, we take back this community. All this wickedness will stop now. Amen. So go and march. Take somebody with you. Go, go lunchtime. Walk around your, your, your business and claim it for Jesus. Your school, claim it for Jesus. Say, Lord, this is your land. This is your land. Come and reign in this place. And then the last verse, Joshua 1 verse 3. Spoke about this a few weeks ago. I love this promise. It says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Take your land. Take your land. Stop hiding away in caves. Take your land. Take back the hearts of your children, your loved ones, your Wherever you might be, take your land. And then lastly, join us for the rest of the, the series. We're going to equip you and we're going to move forward. And we're trusting for an incredible move of God over this next month, building up to the Open Heavens Conference. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.